Hello and welcome to the 6++ Plus Show, a podcast for your wargaming and 40k needs. Hobby talk, tactics, tournament reports, lore and much more. We have it all. Please welcome your host for the evening, Tom. Welcome ladies, gentlemen and Suneshi demons to that 6++ Show. I am Tom and I am on hosting duty tonight. And I am joined, as always, by my dear leader, Chris. How are you doing, Chris? I'm very well, thank you. Can't complain. Chris, what's, Chris, what's new in your life? What's new in my life? Um, I have been painting some Dire Avengers. That's exciting. How many Dire Avengers are you trying to paint? 30. 30? It's all um, hit on 30. That's amazing. <laughs> You've got to have 30. No, I'm, I've painted one and I'm, I'm painting them 10 at a time. So I've got okay. the base colours on another nine at the moment. I always found them quite nice to paint, Dire Avengers. Yeah, they're not. I quite like them. I like the little plumes. The little plumes are nice on the helmets. It's pretty nice pretty easy. I, on my test one, I decided to do a bit of cheeky little blending just to give some 3D effect, yeah. which obviously I'm now regretting for the other 29. <laughs> but, um, hopefully it goes Hopefully it goes okay. But then once I've got that done, I've got you know, a little bit of That's my... That's a good uh, chunk of the list. Yeah. Yeah, 30 Dire Avengers is decent points. Chris, and before we get into it, I understand you have a shout out for, for one of our listeners. You want to? I do. I do. Um, for those who listen to the podcast, you'll remember um, was it two episodes ago, three episodes ago, when yeah. we recapped Nottingham, and the, I guess the theme of the early part was how relatable we were and how hang <laughs> out we were as a team. Um, and I received a message from. Dear Chris, so Chris was the guy who we spoke to, who spoke to me first of all with his tyrannies. And I felt so bad because Chris sent me a message saying, oh, I really hope I didn't cause you any offence. It's not what I meant. I really oh. like the podcast. <laughs> uh, I have spoken to uh, him, but just for everyone, it's very hard to offend me, okay? There was yes. no offence taken. Um, I've, I've tried. I've yeah, really tried. People try regularly. Yeah. It's very hard two, to offend me. two things about Chris is he, he's very good at seeming offended. He may, he's, that's a big part of who he is, and he's literally impossible to actually hurt. We've all tried. It just bounces straight off him. Nothing yeah. nothing slows him down, so he's absolutely fine. Don't you worry. We, we were just mucking around with it. And um, we, we like being relatable, and we're also, <laughs> you know, we, we, we achieve what we achieve, and that is just fine. We are more than happy with that. Yeah. Um, but we, we did think it was funny when, when someone was worried that we'd actually, you know, we'd, we'd actually take it to heart. And we're going to. I look gonna forward to seeing that. you at the ITT, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. We'll be in the mid table somewhere, won't we? <laughs> yeah, on that two, three, three, two, relatable, bang average oh, kind of a. Buying our relatable trade, absolutely. Uh, but I'm not just joined by Chris tonight. I also have a very special guest and a very long-time friend of mine. He's waving now. It is John Scrivo Scrivens. How are you doing, John? Yeah, not too bad. <clears throat> not too bad. I've Thank I've had a day off. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, you're resting, and that's, all, that's exactly what we're going to talk about. You're having a little bit of well-earned time off um, because we have just got back from um, your second Warzone Faustus event. Yes. And obviously, Warzone Fantasy, we'll talk about it in a minute, it's a narrative series of events that John has been running um, in Nottingham at the, the T-Sports Arena of, of the Honest Wargamer, which John's obviously a big part. We'll get John to tell you a little bit about himself and his background in a moment. Um, but today, we want to talk about that. We want to talk about how narrative events, the sort of why you might want to try one, um, and John's own experience of sort of designing and setting one of those up. Um, and we'll do some sort of listener questions, and John's going to chip in and help us out with some listener mail um, towards the end. But before we get into this narrative stuff and learn a little bit more about John, we've got some housekeeping to do. Oh. Um, we, we're big self-promoters now. We've learned how to self-promote over Christmas, as you'll be aware. Um, and part of that is is what we're going to call the Plus Roundup, which we're going to try and do at the beginning of the show, just to let you know what sorts of content we're working on, what sorts of things we've got coming out. So quickly and briefly, Chris is going to launch into the Plus Roundup. Let's have it. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. Specialism, quick and brief. So we'll oh, we're, both, we're, both really, we're both really good at it. <laughs> um, yeah, so basically, obviously, um, we at, in recent times, we've been putting a lot of just podcasts up. And we want yeah. to be putting out a bit more than that. 
So we've kind of reformed our multiple WhatsApp groups and yep. we've got a bit more of a focus and a few more people on board who are going to be producing content. So each week yeah. or each podcast episode, we'll just let you know what we've produced. Um, mm-hmm. And most recently, so the other day we had a bite-sized battle report yep. between Tom and uh, Davey. So that's NIDS versus GSE. So these are like 15, 20 minute battle reports, uh, just focusing on the key takeaways of each turn. Um, and then Davey is going all out and um, doing his own very special Tyranid show called Bug Watch. Yes. Um, and what he's going to do is he's going to take the or look at the list that did well for Tyranids at the weekend and then what lists are he's looking forward to seeing how they get on and he thinks are good for the following weekend. And apparently he's going to do that every week. So if you're a Tyranid fan... <laughs> then that is the show for you. I've just put yeah. out, literally, just click the button to put out um, the first episode. So mm-hmm. hopefully you guys enjoy that. Um, so those are the kind of the most recent things. Next week, we're going to have our very first Sigma episode featuring us three and two others. Yes. Um, I'm not going to reveal too much, but it's going to be a monthly episodic content Um um, so if you're interested in Sigma, you should really enjoy that. And then we've got another battle report to um, to release, which I'm just editing at the moment between Tom and myself, which is Custodes versus Drakari. And it goes down which to literally the last Fantastic game. Yeah, it was a ludicrous up. game. So both um, the bat reps are good fun. Um, Davey and I got very silly with the bat rep. Um, and it was the Melee GSC list, which which you guys on the community page voted for. So if you want to see mm. some aberrants and some pure strains doing their thing, that's the bat rep for you. And Kevin, shout out to Kevin and in Kevin, the background. Kevin and Simon the Neophytes, who, yeah, who are so household names already, you know, um, they're offering some very important analysis of the game at the beginning and the end. <laughs> very important. Very important. Great. Okay. Um, so that's, that's our, that's our, I mean, we're going to keep that coming. And obviously, we've got, we've got a whole bunch of, of the team now chipping in with content to, to sort of get get things rolling again and we're really excited to hear Davey's faction expertise every week with Bugwatch. He, he's been playing uh, Tyranids sort of inside out for months and months and months and I think he's really well positioned to, to offer the, that kind of insight to you guys. Um, but one other exciting bit of news that we have is that we are now going to be partnering and affiliating with the Goonhammer Media Network which means that there'll be a little bit of cross-promotion um, with the wonderful, wonderful team at Goonhammer, and that you'll be able to sort of find links to our podcasts and, and content um, on the Goonhammer site as well. So that's obviously a really exciting thing for us. We all love Goonhammer. We all read it avidly. We we know the writers pretty well. If some of us have played against them, Liam killed a bunch of Chris's guys with a shot prow one time. Best moment <laughs> ever. Absolutely brilliant. Shot prows for life. So so really, really chuffed to be to be working with Goonhammer, and, and obviously I've been writing for them recently, and you know they're they're a really good bunch, and it's it's a lot of fun to be involved. So thank you, Goonhammer, for taking us on. Fantastic, right? That is all the self promoting that we have to do. But now it's John's turn. John, show the world who are you? What are you about? Oh. Who is Scribbo? The enigmatic oh, Scribbo. <laughs> that, that is a great question. Um, I guess. <laughs> Um, I'm Scrivo. Um, I am a local gamer to Tom. I was yeah. probably one of the first people he played when he got back into the hobby, other than his partner. Pretty much, pretty much um, my enabler. It was the only reason I got back in at all was with your help. <laughs> I sold him to some questionable kits that were really good for intro people, but not for the kind of person that Tom became. Um, I run a toy shop local to uh, Tom and us, uh, Tom and I. Yeah. Um, um, I'm part of the local committee of my local Wargames club as well. So yeah. I've got kind of the social element of Wargaming is kind of a thing for me. I got back mm. into the hobby seven, eight years ago. Mm. Me and my schoolmates all did that thing of like, we're all getting a bit tired now. We can't go out to the pub too late. <laughs> and we, we're all sort of WhatsApp and going, what are you guys doing at the moment? And literally we're all just like, guys, I, I got to tell you this. I just dug out some Warhammer out of my garage. And started painting them and then we all four of us were doing it exactly at the same time it was very unnerving it was just like it was almost like we knew it was almost like the, the star child of warhammer was telling us that we needed to do this it was, it was quite bizarre and then me being me i uh, i didn't really kind of sit too still with the hobby and i kind of got so into it and then about five years ago i started doing some artwork for rob on the honest war gamer um yeah 
Then next thing you know, I was helping him doing live streams of events across the world. Yeah. Did some of the shows as well, quite a lot during mm. lockdown. And then I ended oh, up helping yeah. out on the 40K show in the last sort of last year or so. But we're on a yeah. slight hiatus until 10th now. So, but yeah. 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 That's been my journey. You're, you're an absolutely, yeah. absolutely vital cog on this wargamer right? with all, all of the design, the graphics, and typos. the display. When, when you go <laughs> typos, um, making sure things get done. And, um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously, we're all massive on a wargamer fans here. And it's fair to say that you guys basically, I think, sort of force people into AOS just through sheer enthusiasm. It's hard not to listen to those shows, but I kind of want in on this just because they sound like they're having a lot of fun. It just yeah. it just sounds like a laugh. It sounds like a good time. Um and yeah, I mean, obviously you're you're literally our our community leader at, at Tring War Games, and the shops a funny one because I just have a couple of really fond memories of when I lived down the road. I think one of my first Warhammer memories getting back into it was going to your shop to buy uh, the Spoilpox Scrivener for yeah. Nurgle Demons, and just being so chuffed with this little this horrible little Nurgle Demons. I, I think Nurgle Demons were the first army I did some Death Guard, but Nurgle Demons were like the first army I properly like fell in love with. And I was just getting them like one bit at a time from your shop, and it was just a great time. Um, sadly, they're garbage right now. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, they're both games <laughs> in both systems. Oh no, I didn't even. I was like, I was hoping they might be alright in AOS as and when I have a look, but that's a real shame. <laughs> <laughs> and so, obviously, yeah. you know, you've got you've got a lot of different things on the go, but this this new sort of Warzone Faustus series was your first attempt at running kind of an event series of yeah. your own right yeah and you had a very specific vision for it you wanted to do something a bit different do you want to explain to people what that was yeah so the local sort of tring community up until probably about two years ago it was very much mm. people that wanted to just play pick up games it was all very kind of here's what i own here's what yeah. i want to play with i haven't played for months at a time but i'm coming back and yeah. i'll play so it was all very casual very thematic yeah and that was nice it was very soft i then kind of did the inevitable thing of kind of sneaking into tournaments and getting more and more kind of yeah. like, well, I've got to take this because otherwise I'm going to get shot off the table. Kind of find in the middle because yeah. with the kind of the introduction of um, crusade into ninth edition, it was kind of like, cool. We can play story mode, but we can still be kind of using our, our big boy toys, not having to just bring a land raider every time, but it didn't quite <laughs> yeah. scratch the itch. So it's mm. kind of trying to find that healthy medium of kind of like you can run an event, it doesn't have to be aggressive, cutting-edge lists, but it can still have some teeth to it, but also tell yeah. a story. And that was kind of the goal yeah. was kind of, can I tell a story? People have a cool tournament and are competitive, but not at the cost of everyone else's enjoyment. And I think yeah. mostly we got it. I, I think absolutely. Yeah. I, I, think, yeah. I think crucially it drew together all those crowds, which you're, as you say, you're kind of in all those orbits, right? You can think that you <laughs> yeah. also have more thematic and narrative um sort of ambitions and you enjoy that stuff as well i remember you and i used to do narrative and crusade stuff all the time like crimson yeah. fists and orcs and all that all, 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 <laughs> heavily, un, heavily unfair on you with hindsight i didn't fully appreciate this at the time because i was still that was the new, old orc book that was, was horrendous like, <laughs> gun, gunning down all these orcs <laughs> but um but yeah i mean because that's the thing i think you know that the, the crowd and the attendees at these events it's been all sorts hasn't it we've got some very you know some tournament players but we've also got some very very sort of relaxed and casual and thematic players and it, it's managed to incorporate all those interests yeah um do you want to tell the people a little bit about the sort of the story you cooked up and how that how that links up to the the events themselves yeah so um when we were doing kind of local crusade stuff we had this um delphon expanse subsector yes. so what yes. i did is i grabbed that map and went i'll pick a few planets from there see what i can kind of thread story-wise with this and then the goal here was um each of the um, kind of greater factions. So I, I did the whole Age of Sigma thing and went, right, if I can have everyone in four factions, yeah, what would they it be? makes it easier to kind of give some sort of semblance of structure. So we had Chaos as a kind of, I called them alliances because Grand Alliances as a structure kind of works, mm -hmm. then Imperium. And then I split the Xenos up into two halves. I did Raiders, which were all the kind of the bit more spiky, aggressive end of the spectrum. Yep. Including the, and um, then we had Necrons, Tau, and Yeldar <laughs> as civilization. So it was yep. that kind of like they fit. They could have, they could have been kind of toes in both sides, but it just felt yeah. like a, a kind of a sensible fit to it. And then mm -hmm. what I planned was then that as each round of the tournament had results come in, 
if those four players won overall, if you put all their points together, their story thread went up a notch. Right. Yeah, and then yeah. it's essentially like it was this weird little kind of um, flow chart of like whoever wins each each round changed it. Little thread of information. The first one that we did, I literally gave out little threads of paper for people to read. Yes, you did. Which, it was at amazing. the time, was it was fun, but at the same time, it was like I was handing out notes at school, and it just felt a little bit. Kind <laughs> oh, of like, I, I really there. liked it. I liked the little notes. And then they started asking me to read them out. And then the next, for uh, the, the second one, I did actual prepped graphics so that basically at the beginning of each round, I post up, here's the results from the last round. Boom, a picture went up in the thread for everyone to see. So it's kind of like the story progressed. Then as a result, any kind of threat. So in the first, uh, the first um, event, it was very much structured around, there was a few planets. Chaos were really having a really strong footing in the story where they were kind of circling around this planet called Faustus, which was an old crone world, uh, Faustus yeah. 3 specifically, a crone world. So it's an old Eldar mm-hmm. sort of style planet that um, the Imperium had kind of repopulated and mm-hmm. basically mis- misusing, but Chaos kind of had plans for it. And it turns out those mm-hmm. plans were uh, quite nefarious and it spawned a demon world at the end of the first event because Chaos really yeah. overwhelmed the subsector and it went boom and got reborn as a place called Sycorax. So yeah, that the, was the finale, right? <laughs> yes. So the week this weekend's uh, previous event uh, was actually called Sycorax Rising to kind of show that mm-hmm. the threat was there. It was kind of meant to be like the part two of a trilogy to kind of kind of go. Yeah. We can fix this. It's not totally broken. <laughs> and let's see what happens. Um, yeah. For it, I kind of, I felt like there was the good story threads to it, but it still felt like it was four players playing separately. So yeah. for this one, I went right. We're playing team format and threw that yeah. into the mix just to see if that could help kind of bring people together. And although I think in the first one, the Chaos team felt very structured and like they really wanted to tell a story and had plans for how to kind of build four very different lists. The other the other groups, because they were people that didn't know each other, didn't really interact until the yeah, day. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And so having some little WhatsApp chats for them to plan their lists and do the team format sign kind of um, pairings was quite fun. It was really it kind fun. of yeah, it's really stuck nice. in a bit of the kind of the planning kind of competitive nature, but also the camaraderie as well, right? Everyone kind great. of going, oh, I think your list might be a bit tough, or I think <laughs> yeah. list might struggle a bit. And it was kind of nice that kind of there was some yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. group policing of each other as well, which was nice. Um, yeah. It kind of um, it then kind of uh, as a story kind of progressed to kind of spoil it a little bit. Chaos did win, but it was a lot closer this time. Um, yeah, this was this was really really right down to the end, wasn't it? I think it came. Let me just get my points here. It was a difference of eighteen points. So I did it based on literally every team could score up to eighty points in a round, and there was just eighteen points between them, which that's very yeah. close. When the first one, I think it was when we did it out of a hundred for each player. Not so it was, close. <laughs> No, ran away with it. So it, it was all quite. <laughs> we, we, broke, we broke Team Chaos up this time. We re- we realised that we we'd, we'd slightly misjudged it. So it wasn't it wasn't quite yeah. it wasn't quite the same as last. But Imperium were really strong this time. Um, Very close. A, of, a few two guard players. players who knew? A couple of guard players who yeah who, who put some numbers up for their team and that was that made it much more much more spicy. Um, and so I guess I, I guess I'm curious now. You've had a couple of days to debrief on it. I'm, I'm wondering how you feel about the structure as it was this time, and what you're thinking you're going to do next. Because obviously, as you say, this is part two of three. You're yeah. looking to the future. What did you like? What would you change going forwards? Do you think? So I think I'd want to try to do it so that um, ideally, in, a, in a, an ideal world, I'd like to do bigger. But I think doing the third yeah. one at the same size would be the sensible route. Um, yeah. But very much. I want to try to get it done very similar sort of format, maybe not with the teams, mm-hmm. purely because that does slow down a round. And when you're playing three yeah. games of Warhammer in a day. Pairings is happening, right? Yeah. yeah. Especially when people aren't familiar with it. <laughs> oh, completely. So to kind of strip that out a little bit, work out a system, because I've been chatting with a few people on kind of ways of doing it so that you then still pair into other factions but then it's done at your skill level, so through yeah. kind of Swiss type, type thing, which I think would help because then it doesn't yeah. create these situations where someone is thrown under the bus yeah. every game. Yeah, I feel good. We, we, yeah, and we we definitely found we definitely found that the pair, the whole pairing system felt a bit unneeded because we, we didn't like we didn't game it. We weren't like oh let's let's absolutely yeah, yeah. you know but screw it, it over X Y Z. But it, there was absolutely the scope for that. Yeah. Um, 
and it also meant that, as you say, in terms of actual matching, you could be on however many losses across the event and then still end up getting matched into someone really good or something really yeah. strong. Into which, it. which can be quite tough. And yeah. normally you, you kind of you float to your level at, in a kind of a, a traditional GT, so you tend to avoid that in the last two games, perhaps. But yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so for for the next one, probably looking more at how I can structure it differently to push forward the story. So, for example, yeah. Slanesh specifically has been very successful. Yeah, several so times now. <laughs> they're going to be split off into their own group potentially. Is the plan to kind of. Yeah. show that not necessarily the gods are all happy at each other because yeah, nice. that's part of the charm of chaos to me is that they shouldn't be this mm. big unified force that they are squabbling brothers basically it's, or, it's what or they siblings. always do just when they're nearly home right they, they, yeah. they, they break so, up amongst themselves that sounds great <laughs> yeah and that just to me that sounds exciting because like if a story's looking for a foregone conclusion there's nothing worse than a brother that's been scorned <laughs> it's just it's very shakespearean yeah. and that's that's kind yeah, of like my jam like so it a lot yeah, yeah, so I'm hopefully the Nesh Coalition next time versus others. Yeah. That'd be really cool. Yeah, and I'm hopefully going to try to do it before too late in the summer, but I just need to find a good date for it, really, which is the challenge as well, because there's so many events now. <laughs> yeah, of yeah, course, it's, it's tricky. Really it, it is tricky. And when, when you've got, I guess you've got sort of a constituency, right? You've had a lot of the same players over the two yeah. events. You're kind of feeling, well, I want to make sure as many of those as can exactly. come. Yeah. So, and it's finding dates to do that. And I mean, I think I think we've, we've built a really nice sort of, like event culture around it which is really fun yeah. we had the socials and we had everyone nattering away in the whatsapp and stuff beforehand and that was really really fun so yeah i think i think it's good to try and try and maintain that but as you say it's also hopefully a template that you can adapt and take forward yeah. and maybe go even bigger right which is very exciting yeah i think it'd be nice to especially doing it more local to home because i'm obviously down in the south of england not having to drive mm. two hours north just to put on an event would be quite nice yeah. If, yeah. if it could be I can go home at the night. Great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and how did how did you find sort of TOing as uh, <laughs> I don't find it too bad really. I I think it's always those weird little fringe interactions that there isn't often an answer for that get asked. Generally I don't I've I've been quite lucky that there wasn't any of these how do you rule this kind of people trying to squeeze oh, me yeah. out. It yeah, was all completely it just wasn't that kind of event, Here's a weird it, interaction, <laughs> how would you rule it? And it's just like a good example is one of the cards didn't say you score this at the end of the game if you've started it in your last turn, but some of the other cards do. Right, right, at right. At first I was like, oh, well, maybe it should be. And then I, I kind of thought about it. I was like, but no, other cards state. Yeah. They complete as well. So it was just like, it felt fair, but at the same time, it, it's always a bit tough when you're TOing those sorts of things because you can see both sides and you're just like, well. Oh, of course don't want to always just put it down to a dice roll either because that feels <laughs> hollow <laughs> mm. yeah it's, it's an interesting thing as you say i think i think you had a nice bunch there and i mm. think you you provided a really nice sort of sense of occasion and momentum with it and sort of talking between the rounds and all that stuff i think it felt it felt very very well handled and, and we had obviously nice little updates coming and we all got a little inquisitor model as well there yes. was a sort of titular inquisitor character in the in the war zone um so we all got a little a little model to take away it's lots of some some custom dice we were very yes. well taken care of it was all very all very very nicely done lot really nice eye for detail um what do you make what do you make of sort of tempest cards that was another curiosity i had for you because so we've used tempest cards both times how do you feel that went as a sort of a, as, as an event format i think they're fun and they're they're fine but they can be really frustrating I think if you can be unfor <laughs> if you can be really unlucky in a couple of your games, it can really tie your kind of opinion of them. But yeah. I think if you've played them enough beforehand, you can kind of almost build your list around what it can achieve from the cards. Yeah. So like in eighth edition and seventh edition forty K where you had Maelstrom cards, you built a list to do stuff in those missions. So it's exactly the same in my mind. Yeah, and yeah, like completely. and knowing which cards are in there means that if you say done one that you go, Oh, I've done that one. I know that this, say, behind enemy lines equivalent is in there still to come. Yeah, you then yeah. maybe position your units differently, knowing that that's coming up to make it nice and easy for yourself. So I think some of it is it's because it's a different style of play and you have to be a bit more on your feet. Yeah. It's not, I've got the same three for the oh, whole completely. game. It's very reactive, isn't it? It's a bit yeah. more like Sigma, where you've got kind of in-game, your in-game yeah. objectives are changing rather than here is my sort of yeah. schematic I'm going to just do, you know? But I think that in itself is a sub-game that, if it's for you, great. If not, 
Oh, I don't begrudge people don't, but I think it's cool that it's another way of playing. And I, oh, I do kind of miss the old Maelstrom in that respect because it did no, give yeah. you a different thing. Yeah, yeah. We, we, I say, you know, our local club, club as you say, is quite quite casual and, and relaxed. And we used to play that all the time. And it was great. Yeah. It was it was very nice to pick up games with, with people in the local area. And I think I yeah. really enjoyed Tempest this weekend. I thought it was fun. You get closer games, actually, as well. A lot of results <laughs> much closer. You get, you, you get these amazing high-scoring yeah. draws as well. You can get all sorts of, like, ridiculous outcomes um and as you say it's like I, I imagine if you actually sat down and looked through all the cards properly and were like right i need something to do each of these and you know you properly build your list in to do that then then i'm sure you could but it felt like even, i mean i had quite a thematic but still pretty spiky Tricari list i still felt yeah. like i could do things when i needed to do things you know? yeah agreed i think it's it's a lot of the same tools that you'd use in current 40k anyway so mobility yeah. infantry and that flexibility and that positional stuff, which isn't yeah. anything particularly out of the ordinary. So no, you should have exactly. the toys for it, really. So. Yeah, very much so. Um, obviously, that was, that was great. And I say thanks again for, for hosting the event. I mean, did, where where will people be able to follow you for information about Ooh, what's coming up? Question. Obviously, this is all very much you're still cooking up the next one and when it's yeah. going to happen. But so, where can people get information about your future events and plans? So probably on my Twitter at the moment, which is okay. Scrivo Art is my name on that. So yeah. there we go. Very That'd be nice. the place to look. Um, I tend to put up a lot of tweets and nonsense a lot of the time, but generally <laughs> if I'm doing something like that, I'll, I'll be promoting it quite hard. So Brilliant, yeah. And obviously you, you do a lot of artwork as well. You've done artwork yes. for both me and Chris. We've got yeah. avatars, 40K avatars that you drew us. So, yeah. There's, there's <laughs> Very flattering, hopefully. <laughs> I've got an extra limb in mine. I'm not sure how flattering that is. It's pretty pretty. Well, well we've, we've shared a room. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I will very, very, very briefly rattle through the the matches that I had, and then we'll then we'll move on to our to our next segment. So, I was on Team Raiders this time. So it was Drakari. We had two orc players. We had Honest Wargamer Rob on Speedwar, um, Aaron of Six Plus as well on sort of Kill Rig Pressure Orcs, and John Phipps on Gene C the Cults. And we, I think, we lost to Chaos and to Imperium, and we won against Civilization, and then I think the Coalition, we had a round where like Raiders and Chaos teamed up, and I think we won that round. So we were sort of we were sort of middling yeah. across across the event, and we had a lot of fun with it. Um, and I had some great games. I had a, a draw in WTC scoring, but you know it's a win really, Joe, don't worry. <laughs> against, against the Custodes, I think he won that 95-90, really, really fun game. Big punch up in the middle. Um, and I, I played Chris's Shadow Keepers before this event, and Joe was Empress Chosen. I was like, oh, thank goodness. And then he ran his bikes in and turned them into Shadow Keepers. I was like, oh, you bastard. You know, you know, you know they're really annoying for Drakari. You know, it takes one attack off all my guys. And they're like, oh, I can't hurt them. It's so annoying. Um, so he's a very, a very smart player, Joe, and I really enjoyed that game. Um, I had a, a narrow defeat to uh, our own Lee Churchwood's Empress Children, and he had this wonderfully sort of malicious nasty sneaky list where he had a noctilith crown Amazing. and dark commune so i like, had a bunch of the sort of chaos stuff you don't see sort of around the kind of cultist possessed theme but the noctilith crown in in tempest was surprisingly good because he just you can sort of cluster objectives because it's placed objectives and then you bung this crown down and it's giving a little invan aura to all your chaos stuff so it was actually quite clever it helped him out against the range shooting um, and we just had a massive punch up in the end. We stood off each other for ages, and then basically some possessed came in, big brick of ten possessed, and then I just charged it with everyone, <laughs> and it was very, very violent. Um, but Lee Lee took it on the cards. I think he scored better across the game than me. And then we had what else did we have? What else did I actually play? Oh, Eldar, loads of Eldar. I played Bealtan. Yes. And Paul's lovely Aspect Warriors Bealtan army, incredibly thematic, and he had Karandras leading it. And I, I basically decided I wasn't going to take Drazar in my Jakari list. I had like sort of everything in boats with a Tantalus and Raiders <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. And I was like, I won't take Drazar because my my fluff for it was, you know, it's like a sort of one way mission to destroy a webway gate before the demons get find it and get into the the, the webway and find Kamora. And then these guys have all been basically doomed to die by Vect, and he sent them off. He's like, if you can shut this webway gate off, then you can come back. But he knows they're not going to make it back. Um. And so I was like, Draz, I wouldn't come on that mission. But then this guy Paul in the chat in the run-up to the event was like, oh, I'm taking Karandras. You've got to bring Drazar so we can have a little duel. I was like, all right, fine, I'll take I'll take Drazar. 
Yeah, I don't need convincing um, to, to run Dragon. <laughs> You're like, okay, he's already packed. <laughs> yeah. So we had this really fun cinematic game where I think Paul sort of had me on the back foot for two turns, loads of shooting, and then I gradually managed to get round him and sneak in and shut his stuff down. But in the middle of the battlefield, Karandras was just running around doing Karandras things in the centre. I sent my succubus in to take three wounds off him to soften him up. He killed the succubus. And then in turn four, Drazar pops out and comes for him because now he's weak enough to kill. But if he'd got up on a four up, he would still have been ready and waiting to sort of finish Drazar off. But sadly, he didn't make his four up. So he stayed He stayed dead, stayed down. So, But then the striking scorpions killed Drazar anyway. So it was all in all, it was absolutely brilliant. Um, and then... Oh, I played Gareth's Eandon Wraith Host. That was a really fun game. Loads of Wraith Blades with axes and shields running around. Just will not die, that list. It's incredibly tough and chewy. Um, but I got good cards on that one and was able to win on the cards. And then final game, Alex, Chancellor of Twisted Dice with his big Bane Blade. Great big Bane Blade tank. Did it kill the tank this? It. I'll tell you what happened to the Tantalus. The Tantalus came in from Deep Strike. Yeah. Shot some stuff. He fired the Bane Blade at it. Did three hits with his strength 14 gun. Rolled triple ones to wound it. Amazing. Completely bounce. And then in my next turn, the t- I killed a Lehman Russ, which shot on death and just one shot the Tantalus. <laughs> <laughs> Before the Tantalus had even got to fire. So I, was just, oh. I was just like, oh no. Absolute disaster. I just started getting my foothold in the game and I was like, oh, maybe I'm actually going to somehow do this. And then boom, it was gone. And that was, that was the end of it. And again, it was one of those ones where I was able to stay in the game by hiding. But obviously, with the cards, if you're sort of playing a very cagey hiding game, it's much harder to go out and do all the things you need to do. And I just didn't didn't quite get the rub of the green to get that. So Alex won that 185. I think it was a really good game. And Alex finished third ish. Second, second at the end of the thing. Yeah, really yeah. good showing. Yeah, so it's super fun. All the games are really enjoyable. I really enjoyed taking a more sort of themed, sort of flotilla type list. Fragile as hell, but it does look <laughs> lovely. And thanks to all my opponents. Um, and thanks, obviously, yeah, to you, John, and, and everyone else who helped out with setting it up and Rob for hosting us. It was a really, really good time. And Rob, Rob, bless him, was on Speedwire all weekend um, and obviously hasn't played a ton of 40K. So thanks, Rob, for being a hero and stepping in at the last minute to fill that last team space. Right, I think we should do some listener questions, and that should probably get us home for today. So, Chris, do you have any questions from any other sources outside of Discord whilst I check the Discord? I have a question from our very own Mr. Lee Jones. Oh, exciting. So, he (laughs) says, um, the player who goes second typically has an advantage at late game primary scoring as we look forward or look towards 10th edition how would you like to see gw address this mm-hmm. anyone want to go on this one <laughs> well we uh, we discussed this slightly off camera <laughs> yeah we did um and we we were saying that actually at the moment i think statistically the First, second win percentage isn't actually that skewed anymore. Yeah. Um, it is certainly around the low, very low 50s kind mm. of mark. And I think I think particular missions, it's been really bad. You know, we, we always talk about abandoned sanctuaries. Yes. Um, where Which has have, changed, right? They've, they've taken that extra yeah, five exactly. points out so, of the pack, yeah. In the film, it was like a 17-point swing kind of thing, which is, mm. you know, huge. And... They have changed that and they've just used some common sense and now that's kind of gone. And I think if you think the fact that you go to go first means you can set up your positioning, you can set out your screens, you can potentially cause a decent amount of damage. Some armies can obviously cause a lot of damage, but that varies depending on, you know, your force and what it's capable of. So you want the fact that the player going second is probably going to be playing with less than 2000 points. You've got to try and equate that and level that up to a number of victory points. And I think with most of the missions now, it's probably, as long as you've got stuff alive at the end, it's probably going to be around four points 
isn't it? Mm. Um, because you're just going to get your holes more. Yeah. So I think what I like is just them to think about their missions a bit more and yeah. not have such ridiculous swings at the end of a mission. Yeah. Um, you need a little nudge and the hold more, those four victory points, that's enough, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, definitely. I think the two most egregious defenders, Abandoned Sanctuaries was one and the other was Tide of Conviction, right, which is a massive swing because of the scoring two for each of their home field plus four for the back one. So again, there's like eight points on the line on the mission specific. Um, I actually haven't checked to see if that's changed in Arcs of Omen because the fact that Abandoned Sanctuaries had, I hadn't clocked that at all. Yeah, so I, I, I need to now read them all and be like, oh, does it actually do what it used to do? Because I'd assumed yeah, that it was the same it. and it's actually not. Um, but yeah, there definitely are a couple of egregious defenders. I think I like that the player on bottom of turn can get a few more points. I think that's healthy. I think that balances the game okay. Um it's just avoiding it being, uh, you know, able to completely overturn a healthy deficit. And we, we were discussing as well, like it is nice. I think it is good that the first turn roll off is significant enough that when certainly when I go into it and I get a first or second, I'm thinking I have to play this slightly differently now. I think that's interesting. I think that's better for the game than a situation where it doesn't really matter. You're going to do exactly the same thing either way. Um, and I guess we'll have to see. It'll, I mean, it'll be really interesting to see if things like primary and secondary stay the way they are, full stop. Right? You know, are we going to are we going to keep that sort of ITC style system? Who knows? It's completely up in the up in the air at the moment. Um, but I guess it'll be interesting to see some data from these new builds in Arcs of Omen that are obviously quite a lot of things building to try and knock the enemy out nice and early mm. again. Now, be interesting to see how the first turn, second turn win rates hold up. Certainly, that, that narrative, that, sorry, not narrative, the 1K event you and I were at, John, they did a really detailed stats breakdown, right? And it was go first win rate was like 46, 47%, which, I mean, I was there with Flesh Terrors feeling like going first was really, really good. <laughs> but, but obviously, it wasn't the same for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much for that one, Lee. So, let's. Oh, this is a fun one from Gail Maris on the Discord. Thank you, Gail Maris. I'll put this to both of you guys. What's one unit from your respective armies that you think has play, but that no one has jumped on yet? Well, my army doesn't have many data sheets. <laughs> Harlequin. Um, yeah, that's, that's tricky, isn't it? I have gone to town on literally every data sheet there. I think... <laughs> um, I think early doors, no one rated bikes. Um, mm. No one was really using bikes, you know, and the eight boat lists, the nine boat lists were like the go-to. Um, and But I was always like, two bikes, two bikes for that mm. turn one deadly performance. Yeah. And do you know what everyone's running now? Two bikes. <laughs> exactly that, yeah. Um, so now it's not a special thing, but, you know, that was, that was quite nice. Um, other than that, I mean, yeah, there's not really everyone's tried everything in the Harlequin book. It's yeah, that's the issue with Harlequins, isn't it? It's quite... Talking about other armies, um, the Custodies, quite my other army, um, an army, a unit which people should know about. Venatari, when I say Venatari, ah, yeah, Venatari. They have nice. and they move, um, yeah. their shooting's crap. But they're, um, they have OBSEC and they move 12 inches. And having just played with Custodies, they're really slow compared to Harlequins and don't get to yeah. do lots of fun things. Mm. Um, but actually, the fact that they have fly means they have access to a stratagem for fall back and shoot. Um, and, you know, just like those extra little things. So um, for Custodies, see if we can get some Venetari in there because I think oh, nice. you'll find them quite handy. Very nice. How about you, John? For orcs, I would say flash kits. Okay, nice, nice, very just, nice. Just the, the problem I had with them before was um, Armour Contempt made their guns feel slightly less punchy. Right. Yeah. But now put them in some sort of a, a vehicle that doesn't give them a penalty to shoot and you're off to a winner, I think. Very, very nice. And that's not what they do. So they're. <laughs> Hitting on fours for orcs, apart from the boss, which I think hits Lots on three. accurate orcs. That's nice. Yeah. That's very and nice. The guns, I can't remember the profile, but they are high strength, bit of AP, and multi-damage. I think it's two damage. Yeah, okay. So for orcs, okay. it's something 
quite unusual. Yeah. And then they've got a stratagem they can fire twice. Yeah, if yeah. you're shooting at the target, is the closest visible unit for you as well. So oh, there's cool. some play to it. And then yeah. obviously, if you're playing them as freebooters, if you kill a unit, they're hitting on plus one. Yeah. Space Marine. Basically, green mm. Space Marines. Okay. Yeah, that yeah. does sound like there's some play in yeah. there. That's interesting. But they might still be a bit too expensive, but I just I want them to work. So I believe. Yeah. It's all <laughs> so you got to do, right? Anything, anything <laughs> for your Dark Angels that you can think of? That's the weird one. That's such Definitely an explored book. No. no one's talking about that. <laughs> no, literally, if I have one more person tell me, have you got any De- Deathwing Command squads, and I'll slap them, because it's like, I, I was using them from the beginning of the edition. <laughs> yeah, you were. You were also running, you were running, like, sort of Alpha Strike Ravenwing from, like, the moment. I got a wooden spoon. Well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, didn't, it, didn't, it didn't always go great. Yeah. But it was, it was amazing on the table, though, that. So, yeah, you've been, you've been trying all these different things yeah. before they got the shot in the arm, so hopefully it'll work even better now. I'd, I'd I'd say in in an inverse to the the question, don't try taking the dark talon. It's still not any better, even if it comes on from reserves. <laughs> it's just not worth it. Still, yeah, that's fair. It's sad. That's fair. <laughs> I think for Gene Steeler Colts, I think two things. I actually think aberrants are quite decent now as heavy hitters, and as something that can take a punch and stick around. I've I've only really experimented with them in more sort of casual games. But every game I've actually used them, I've felt like they do their job. They, they take out a big target. They hold ground more effectively than almost anything else um, that you'd have. And they work really well if you run the Biophagus to give them feel no pain and, and buffs of that kind. So, yeah, Aberrant's definitely worth running at 27 points, and you can have a lot of fun with that. Um, and also the Reductus Saboteur, the little bomb lady. I'm currently painting her because I quite like... She's 70 points now, and she's got a nice anti-vehicle weapon which is nice to have if there's more tanks and stuff around um you can give her a relic so she gets crossfire and she can be another unit to with she hits on two so she's another way to get a crossfire token on something for your near fights to shoot um, and she can't be targetable can't be targeted if she's in area terrain and she's more than 12 inches away so she's quite a nice sneaky way of hanging on to an objective you've been shot off just by a dint of oh actually your opponent can't actually yeah, pick her up yeah. mortars tanks whatever else they have if they want to nice. get her they have to come close and we like it in GC the cult when they come close so yeah those two would be my tips at the moment um, next question oh paint Celestine asks with the new meta shaping up to be a shooting focused one how badly does this affect Imperial Knights anyone got any strong opinions on that well. I'm just going to steal what David Gaylord and Vic VJ were saying on their latest fireplace. That, that's not far off, is it? Yeah, which <laughs> is that um, Knights now have more of a place because of their AP, which is minus one and minus two, and that's mm-hmm. good mm. into uh, Marines. And their three Marines have lost their armour of contempt. So in terms of their output, they're actually a lot more killy now. Um, obviously, the issue is that everyone's kind of expecting vehicles and plugging going to be plugging a lot of melter and you know with these yeah. small trade units you know he's like i don't know, eradicators that come on the battlefield from an edge and just go boom double firing there's a smoldering crater of a night there um i think that's gonna that's gonna cause issues for them but that's because we're all assuming that's way that's the way the meta is gonna go mm. uh, we don't know that for certain do we but i imagine things like raven wing which can f- whiz around shoot you and move block you as well all those sorts of things i think 23 I think, inch turn one move <laughs> yeah i be yeah. the same they always are i'd imagine they're a gatekeeper yeah. army that on the that, right table that's, that's yeah. kind of mid-table billy but they're not going to win any events i'd imagine yeah. yeah it just i just think they're going to lose one of those shooting duels aren't they before they get all the way through an event like it's just going to happen there's just Guard, a few arms, I imagine, will blow them like votan and obviously votan aren't in a great place, but Votam still turn up and just blow knights straight off the board. Yeah. Twenty minute game. Yeah, so that's. Um, and if you're yeah. if you're avoiding the big knights because you don't want to just be shot at, you're bringing all the little knights, which then yeah. splits the problem but doesn't actually fix it because you yeah. can hide them, but then they're just smaller targets that get picked off, yeah. and then like Codex Warfare loves that. Well, yeah, exactly. It's just it's making it worse, sure, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see if, like, yeah, if you reserve, like, four or five armages and hide the rest, is there some sort of, you know, spring the counterattack kind of play? But it just, yeah. 
it doesn't feel as fun or as worthwhile as just running one of the other shootier armies right now, does it? Really, like, it kind of. <clears throat> <laughs> you're, yeah, you've always been a Dark Angels main, John. You're fine. You're like, you're it's like, fine. <laughs> when the other five land speeders turn up, you can then you can have. Oh a go. yes, yeah. He showed me, he showed me his, his, his order at the week. I was like, oh my word, what have you done? What have you done? Because yeah, it's fine. It's good. It's good to get carried away with it. Um, the follow-up question from Elmo Miniatures was, why is Double Valiant OP? Only in the hands of Lewis. Only Lewis in the is the only player yes. that I've ever known to run Double Valiant, and he always does really well at um, tournaments. Seasoned Knights players like Lewis and like Jay of Mohawk Miniatures can just get it done. doesn't matter what you give them. Yeah. They'll just get it done. Two massive Valiants. Harpoon, Flamer. Can't charge it. <laughs> We have another question from our very own Captain Caveman. I believe that's Paul James. Yeah. He says, "What? oh, this is actually a very interesting one to have with John on the show. So what changes to the core rule set would you like to see implemented into 10th edition? And would you prefer a full rules re- rework like 7th through 8th or tweaking but keep the same fundamentals like 8th through 9th? It's a big old can of worms, isn't it? Well, that's, I think, based on the fact that Paul today on our WhatsApp sent us a bunch of uh, rumours of what temperature is. <laughs> <laughs> up, I suspect. Um, basically, the rumours were based around the fact that it's going to become a bit more like Sigma in various ways. Mm. Um, kind of like um one of the things was like a combination of the command phase and psychic phase mm. um for example um a general more of a simplification mm. um of the of the game um that so... doesn't sound like a complete reconfiguring though more like no. a, a sort of streamlining enough change that you need new an index though I mm. think that's the thing, isn't it? I guess it's a. Yeah. They're all still similar enough, like the jump from eighth to ninth, where you can keep your codexes, codices, mm. or does everyone need a brand new book because enough has changed? And I guess those are the two changes. Mm. Um, I dislike the fact that in ninth they made the game simpler. I think they took away some of like, especially the combat phase and charge phase, like jank you could do. I think they just mm. took away player choices and. The more yeah. choices you take away from players, the like the more of a reduction of skill level there is. I didn't like what they did there. Got used to it now. Mm. So I mm. would not like the game to get simpler. And it sounds like they are trying to simplify it a bit. Um so I would rather just tweak because I think they've got a pretty reasonable system at the moment. Mm. Um but yeah. What do you what do you think, Joe? Well, I, th- I think when they do tweak things, it's often they tweak it in the wrong way. Like they tweak it to <laughs> oversimplify it. When in fact, what they should do is if something's bloated, you bring it down into a reasonable, understandable level, mm. or you make something more efficient. Like um, at the beginning of ninth edition, they went, right, we're getting rid of all the rerolls. By the end of the edition, we've got people with full rerolls on a unit again. And it's mm-hmm. smattered across an army, not just one unit. And yeah, that yeah. kind of, it's those things that slow the game down that I think that I would personally, if they were going to do one big change, would be kind of cleaning up all those sorts of details again mm. or alternating activations. Oh, that's spicy. That would be a big change. It's That'd something I really do appreciate. Change. They're not going to do it. It's just too, so too big. Minutes, it's it? so big, isn't it? It's such a change. But um, I do, I do think less rerolls. Having played now, played a handful of games of Sigma, I'm kill team. Even I'm struck by how few rerolls there are in those. And you're sort of like, well, what happens is what happens. And yeah, Sigma, yeah. especially, it's like you know, if you whiff, you whiff. End up, and and sometimes that happens, sometimes it doesn't, and it's not the end of the world. You get, you actually get used to it. You're like, oh, yeah. bad roll. But they happen, right? I think in 40k, there's so many, there's so many ways to just completely flatten out and control variants in ninth. That people are just yeah. used to having exactly what they want whenever they want it, um, and that's not necessarily a good thing for a dice game. So I think I'd agree with you on that. I think it's sort of we, me and John talk about this all the time. It's sort yeah. of cyclical, isn't it? Like eighth was very back to basics. Ninth, it did simplify some things, but it layered on a hell of a lot in terms of like extra faction rules and mechanics and layers. 
which which players like me who are very obsessive and like to just know every little bit really mm-hmm. like. But then, as I say, more casual pickup players really struggle to keep all of those different moving parts in their heads, and, and it and it gets quite difficult for games. So I, but I, what I definitely feel for balance is that you're you're not going to reach balance by just completely starting again, no. because you could you, with with the stuff that's already been, you at least have data to know what worked, what didn't, what was too much, what wasn't. And if you're at least, I mean, again, you're seeing this in Sigma at the moment with the next wave of books, where sometimes the book's very much the same sort of stuff as it was last time, or a little bit of a toning down or whatever else. And sometimes it's a massive change because the faction needed a massive change, but it's working with what was there before, right? And that makes more sense to me um, than just completely restarting. Um, But yeah, I actually think indexes would be fun because it would be nice to all be on the same sort of footing at the start of an edition, right? And then have the books come and the inevitable chase <laughs> that comes with them. Um, we have one final question. It's another from Galmaris. And this is, what are the top three things you are building your list to handle in ARCs? Secondary Ooh. play. Um, okay. <laughs> so it's all about the secondary play. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so from my perspective with the Harlequins, my army dies a lot quicker now. So I need to make sure I can be scoring consistently well. I know, Tom, it's definitely. <laughs> um, behind behind enemy lines um, is obviously the main one. So. Yeah. Mission play, so secondary play. I think it depends on your army, doesn't it, really? Um, But I think everyone has to be aware of what their game plan is going to be now. Like, Are you going to try and be that army that blows people off the board? Or are you going to be the army that hides and scores your points whilst dying slowly? Those are like the two. Table or be tabled, what are you going to go for? (laughs) You need to embrace it, Yeah, I guess. How about you, John? Very much echoes that, actually, because if yeah. I'm trying to do Ravenwing, I keep doing the thing where I go, oh, I'm going to put a load of infiltrators, and then I start putting scouts in, and then I'm like, well, actually, that's 500 points of stuff that I don't need. Yeah. If I yeah, kill yeah. them, I don't need to be holding them back. <laughs> they're sticky. Yeah, but then on the flip side with Orcs, I'm probably looking to put in more things like Storm Boys. Like, at the moment, I normally put two units of Storm Boys, but if mm-hmm. I have in a third, it gives me that flexibility. And yeah. when it's secondaries, you can score without if you can't kill them, don't try to kill them. I yeah. learned this from watching Speedwell bounce off of five opponents. It's like, you may as well just be scoring whilst you're on the table, right? Yeah. If you can do yeah, things yeah. that don't, like, good example is the change to um, psychic interrogation. Why yes. would you take that? Because there's a risk they can stop you whilst, say, behind enemy lines. Yes, they could yeah. screen you, but once your models are there, they're there. Yeah, absolutely. Done. Absolutely. So any interaction avoidance there is what I'm up for, really. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, I've, I've, I've sort of, I think the same for me. It's secondary game. The Arcs of Omen detachment means I can take, with GSC, right, just more troops. So I've always had a couple of Acolyte squads for R&D, and now I just have three. Because it's like, why not just literally yeah. have a squad drop down in every flipping quarter? Hmm. You know, or boot, or go back up, come back down. And it's just like, it's, it's so hard for the opponent to stop. And it's like, that's a better use of 45 spare points um, <laughs> than just a buffing character or something like that. Likewise, the, as I've, I know I've talked about it already, but the reason I'm going to try the Reductor's Saboteur out is she's just another unit that can realistically help to tee up ambush and scoring on ambush out of reserves and stuff like that. So it just sharpens up the game plan. I'm a bit spoilt with GSC because I was going to say, the other. I think the other couple of things you need to build for are, one, if you can mit- being able to mitigate you know, reserves coming in, drop pods, etc. So if I wasn't GSC and able to hide, I would have you know, like Mandrakes or something, or Scorpions, something forward deploy. Um, and then what was the other thing I was thinking of? I think it's gone. It, it's, it's been a long day. I think it's just gone. <laughs> it's, not, it's no longer in my head. I'm sorry, but I will remember it at some point, Gilmer, so don't you worry. Um, thank you very much, everybody, for your questions. Oh, there was one final one. It wasn't in Discord because Sean Catewell, bless him, messaged me directly. And he wanted to know what you guys do to stay focused on your game plan 
during a game? Ooh. Good question. Good question. I think it's you go in and you know. Like so, for me, it's constantly checking my phone for my secondaries. Yeah. And it's having that. It's having that mental checklist. And I, when I get tired, I forget it. But the mental checklist of um, how am I scoring my secondaries this turn? Um, can I affect their primary this turn? Um, and then how am I scoring my secondaries next turn? Mm-hmm. And how can they stop my primary? And like those sorts of things based around my current turn and the next turn. Um, if I keep going through those and making sure I'm always aware of the score. I've said this before in the podcast. It blows my mind that people play the game and don't know what the score is. Um, <laughs> how how are you tracking what you're doing? I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. even the people that, obviously a lot of people like to write it down on a board. I'm like, yeah, but you're then having to surely constantly recount the scores and that like by using the app, I've got it there. I can literally play out the game and I'm trying to do that more and more. Um, is just work out. So Lee and I had, so this is a case in point. Lee and I had a game on Sunday um, where we got to turn three and I was Harlequins, he was Demons and I was looking like I was nearly tabled, but I still had all my characters left and he chose an assassinate. So I was like, what does the score end up if I just put all my characters in this boat, hide it at the back of the board and then put it into strategic reserve next turn so he can't kill it? Yeah, and I nice. worked out that the highest he could score was 50, and I was already on 50. And just purely by doing the calculations and the maths, it meant, therefore, that I knew, right, just keep those characters alive, and you'll have enough of a lead that you'll win by a small amount before you get fully tabled. Um, and I think just following my, to answer Sean's question is my game plan is just based around my scoring and it's yes. just constantly having that mental checklist of yeah. those things. How am I impacting my scoring and their scoring each time? Yeah. That's what we're trying to achieve. Killing, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's killing is definitely not that important. It's about, that's the, the, you know, the tertiary kind of thing. So yeah. I guess it's different for other armies. Some other armies, no, sure. how do I win this game? I need to kill my opponent. But mm. generally it's the point points win prizes so that's how i kind of go about doing it yeah and that, but i think that highlights one of the trickier bits of this right which is that yeah it's it's good to have a game plan and to stick to it but actually you also need to adapt to what the game throws yeah. up right and and the only this if you're, if you're looking to win the game the, the score and making sure you're on the right side of it is the fatal thing and as you say chris that's a really good example of you basically identifying that now you need to do some things which would look a bit odd in game terms but are essential for the scoring, right? To completely protect and shut off one secondary. And you've been able to identify the moment to do that based on what the score is and how the game's going. I guess you, know, you can compare that to like the moment in the LVO where Harps's Sangar just suddenly all fly out and start smashing everyone up. Cause it's like, this is the time, right? In terms of the scoring, if I go now, demek everything, that's game, that's Jenga. Yeah. How about you, John? So very similar sort of thing, but I find that, often i get in my own head when i'm playing a game in the moment where i'll mm-hmm. go right everything needs to move because it can move and yeah, 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 yeah. i'm going to try to shoot with everything because it can shoot and it's like well actually yeah, yeah, yeah. these grots if they come out five inches from this ruin they're in the middle of nowhere yes next turn they could get to the next ruin and do a, an objective but they're probably going to be dead in reality because yeah, my yeah, opponent yeah, if they're yeah. not stupid will kill them so yeah, it's yeah, kind yeah. of remembering just to stick to kind of like only plays that actually matter as well like yeah, 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 move yeah. something and put something out to shoot with it just for the sake of it it's better not to shoot especially with orcs keep it hidden behind a building and then i can charge with it next turn yeah so there's that's a very that's... there's a very good example of this in our bat rep that will come out of me and chris if if the sharp eyed among you watch that bat rep what the hell am i doing with those mandrakes is all i'm gonna say what on <laughs> earth what on earth is that decision and that is a great example of just not thinking the next step ahead and just trying to do something <laughs> slightly ad hoc in the moment that compl- is huge, is huge for my, my sort of ga- in-game outcomes at that moment in the game. So it's, it's, it's one, one to observe. Um, the other thing I would say, Sean, for staying on track, because as I say, I think we both, you know, that you've both stressed how important it is to be able to adapt and, and keep track of just the, the counterplay and the circumstances, and I think that's massively important. But the best time to work out what you're doing and what you're doing next is your opponent's turn. 
That's Correct. the other thing I would yeah. say. That is uh, the vast majority of my opponent's turn. I'm thinking about what I need to do and how I'm going to respond. You're going through the motions, you make the saves, you do whatever counterplay you can do, but that is your best like slab of time mm. for getting back in, okay, where am I going next? What's going to happen? And, and keeping that sort of next step ahead rolling. And that, that I think, is, is, is really important to do and, and to make sure you use that time for yourself. And, but also don't be afraid to take time in the game as well and, and have a moment and just pause. I'm quite... When I play games, there's like a sort of bit at the start of turn where I'm just sort of looking at it and players are always like, oh, I've got you, I've got you thinking. But I was like, yeah, you absolutely have. But I need to do this bit now because if I just randomly start doing stuff, yeah. um, that's when I play worst by, by a long shot. I need yeah, to make sure I've thought about how all those bits are going to connect up. And then it's like, right, let's do all the stuff. But that great question, Sean. Thank you very much. Um, wonderful. Okay. That takes us to a bang on an hour. Perfect. Thank you so much, John, for joining us. Thank you for having uh, me. It was really, really fun to have you, and we're looking forward to some Age of Sigmar adventures um, with with you and the others, um, which we'll, you guys will all be able to hear about next week. Um, so, yeah, we've been the Plus. Thank you very much for listening. Um, do check out John's John's Twitter, and I say that he's going to be running more narrative events in the future. Um, and yeah, do check out all the all the wonderful kind of videos we've got coming out on the channel this week. Um, I'm going to watch Bug Watch after this and see what Davey's got to say about Tyranids. Um, and see what the, what the future of, the, of that faction looks like at the moment as well. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, we've been the Blues. Good night. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye.